Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, lift your hands and just welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. Right now, come on, welcome His presence. Father, we welcome You. We thank You for the Holy Spirit. Where would we be without the Holy Spirit? Just worship Him in your prayer language for a moment. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You may be seated. I feel a compunction, a push, a compunction and earnest in my soul to get right into the Word because something, uh, when, you know, my meetings are Friday through Sunday night and on Sunday night, I always preach on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Friday night, I try to preach a message to the church. Saturday night, uh, normally a salvation message. Sunday morning, a message to the church and then close it out. But and I, last night after the service, I went in and I prepared for t- what I thought I would minister tonight. But then at lunch today, as we were fellowshipping and talking about things, I mean, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit come upon me and move in my heart. And when I got back here, I changed my message. I felt like the Lord had changed it. And I came into the sanctuary. It was pitch black dark. And I walked for quite a while in circle around here seeking the Lord for the service today. And I, I just feel a compunction and an earnest to get right into the service tonight. And I want you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Reading just two verses, verses 17 and 18, and you know, if you've read, if you've been saved and spirit-filled for any length of time, you should know these two verses by heart. But the word of the Lord said, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants... And on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I want to minister for a few minutes tonight a message entitled, Church, read the book of Acts and get ready. Read the book of Acts and get ready. And tonight we're going to pray for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I felt in my spirit the Lord said there's going to be some people here that won't be able to be back tomorrow night. And they've come. They want to be filled. And if that's you, tonight is your night. Make up your mind as we minister. Settle it in your heart that tonight is my night to receive what God has for me. Father, we come before you in the name of your son, Jesus. We thank you for the presence of the Lord and the spirit of God that we sense in your house tonight. And Lord, we're so grateful if we had to close and go home right now, we could say that we have been in the presence of God. We can say with all assurance that we have been in your presence, that your spirit has ministered to us. And we thank you for that. We're not worthy of your presence. We're not worthy of your spirit, but because of grace. You have given it to us. And Lord, I pray tonight that you would deal with hearts. And if there's just one here tonight that has not yet been filled with your spirit, that tonight would be their night to receive God's greatest gift to the church. And Lord, we give you all the praise and glory. And everybody said, amen and amen. About 20 years ago, I was preaching, invited to preach in a large African-American Baptist church on the south side of Chicago. Now, it was Baptist in name only. They were spirit-filled. And it was a church of about 3,000. I was preaching just on Sunday morning. And it was in one of the worst areas of the south side of Chicago. It was so bad that when I drove up, the whole church property was ringed by bobbed wire. And then they had to have several off-duty Chicago police officers patrolling the grounds because it was right in a nexus, right in a center area where, where two gangs would fight violently over turf 
Many times they said that they actually in church before they put barbed wire around and before they hired the police that actually on some Sunday mornings gunfights broke out in front of the church and spilled over into the lobby of the church. That's how violent that it was. And I want to tell you something. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, man is nothing more than an animal. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no depths of, of sin and debauchery that man cannot sink to. That's the reason why without Jesus, human life means nothing. That's the reason why we can say we can abort. Uh, uh, we've aborted well over nearly 100 million children in this country in the last 60 years, and we think nothing of it. God, help us. Help us when we have no more compunction than to suck out of the womb of a young mother, an innocent baby. And we're, we've got a whole element in our country today screaming, our voices must be heard. And I'm screaming, who's going to yell and scream for those in the womb of their mother? Who's going to be their voice? Well, I'll tell you who's going to be their voice. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to make another statement. I, I make this all the time. And I, well, I get the hate mail, but I don't care. I am right. And when I know that I know that I know that I'm right, I will not be moved. And I'm just going to say it right now. I don't, don't tell me you're saved and born again, but yet on election day, you go and vote for candidates that are pro-abortion and same-sex marriage. You are voting for murder. You're voting for an attack upon the greatest institution that God ever created, and that is the home. The very first institution that God created was the home. And it's not a man and a man or a woman and a woman, but it's a man and a woman. And if the church doesn't stand up for righteousness, who will stand up for righteousness? Well, I don't want to make my family mad. Who cares? It's not what your family thinks. It's what the Word of Almighty God has said. we got to stand up. We can't let the crazy steal our country from us. If they had their way, we would be locked up in concentration camps. Because let me tell you, everything that's going on in the nation has nothing to do with what you think it does. Oh, yes, there's a seed of socialism and communism, yes. But the real thing that's going on is an attack against the Lord Jesus Christ. There's an element on that other side. They hate God. They hate the Bible. They hate Jesus Christ. They hate the church. They hate Christians. And we shouldn't be trying to curry favor with them, but we should be standing up saying, you're full of the devil. You're on your way to hell. But there is one, if you'll give him a chance, will break that bondage of hatred in your heart and write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life and say, set you free and make you free because of what? Grace. Hallelujah. And I preached that morning on the Holy Spirit. Gave the altar call. And I mean, they begin to come down. And let me tell you, there's no, you, you, you've never been in church until you preach to 3,000 African-Americans. The only problem is they don't pay attention to the clock. You might be there all day long. I mean, they will, you get ready to close, they go, no, we want more. And I gave the altar call and people begin to come. And I gave the instructions just like I will in a few minutes, just like I will tomorrow night, just like I've done all over the world in nearly 80 countries that I've preached in. And I've preached in countries where illiteracy was as high as 70 or 80 percent. And it's amazing. They get filled the same way they do in America. Doesn't matter whether they're African or European, Central American or South American, they all get filled the same way. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
And, uh, and I, I, I stepped off the platform and began to pray with people, lay hands. And I noticed this very young African-American. She looked to be about 24, 25 years old. And I mean, the spirit of God was all, she was just weeping. She was sobbing. And I walked over and I laid hands on her. I said, young lady, the spirit of God is upon you right now. Lift those hands, yield that tongue, open your mouth and begin to speak. And when I did, I mean, the spirit of God came over her, knocked her to her feet. I mean, she went flat out and she had those hands up just worshiping in the Lord. And I went on praying with people Then all of a sudden I noticed out of the corner of my eye, a little, uh, 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 I just noticed uh, things going on. I looked up and she was getting up and she jumped up and she ran out the back door and it was kind of strange. And I, I couldn't figure out, I said, you know, I, something must be wrong. And then all of a sudden, about 10 minutes went by, and she, I saw her walking back in. She had a little boy by the hand. It was her four-year-old son. She had gone to children's church and gotten him out, brought him down, four years old, grabbed my attention. I walked over with tears. She said, you got to lay hands on him. His father is in prison for dealing drugs. He's a gangbanger. He, she said, if God doesn't intervene, my son will be in a gang by the time he's 12 years old. And I don't know if he'll live to see his 15th birthday. They're murdering. They're crazy. There's people are dying like flies around here. And she said, God is his only help, and he needs the Holy Spirit. And I, I, I said, well, is he even born again? She said, I don't know. And I knelt down. And I said, little fella, I want you to lift your hands. And I said, I wanted to ask you a question, but do you know who Jesus is? And he said, yes, I do. And I said, does he live in your heart? He said, yes. And I said, I know you probably won't understand what I'm about to say, but I'm going to lay hands on you. And when I lay hands on you, you're going to feel something that you've never felt before flowing deep from within. And I said, when you feel it, I want you to open your mouth and begin to speak. And I'll never forget his little eyes. He said, okay. And I said, raise those hands. And I laid hands on him. And I said, Lord, in the name of, and I've never, I've seen five-year-olds filled with the spirit, but I've never seen a four-year-old. And I said, Lord, I don't know what he understands and what he doesn't understand, but I'm asking right now. I said, he is in a terrible situation. He needs a miracle. He needs a hedge round about him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus is that hedge. And, and Lord, I'm asking you to fill him. I need a miracle. I need a miracle. I need for you to take this great subject of God, the Holy Spirit, and break it down where a four-year-old can exhibit faith and receive. And I man, and all of a sudden, I looked up, and there goes his lips. With stammering lips and other tongues. Oh, I feel that. Will I speak unto my people? And I said, that's it. Open your mouth, begin to speak, and all of a sudden he began to speak in other tongues. And I, I, I was rejoicing, I was praising, and I turned around, I was walking away, and I turned around, and all of a sudden I saw all of these mothers running out of the building. And, and in about 15 minutes they were bringing their kids. They had emptied out children's church. And they're saying, lay hands on my kids, lay hands on my children. And I started laying hands, the pastor started laying hands, Lord, fill them with the Holy Ghost. Fill them with the Holy And I mean, they started going through. Five years old, six years old, seven, eight, nine, ten. And I mean, not only were they going through, they were getting slain in the Spirit. And I remember when I finally, there was nothing more I could do, it was time to go. I was having to step over. Little boys and girls, lay it on the floor. Filled with the Holy Spirit, with hands in it. I remember one time at church, not long ago, a few years ago, we preached I, I was, I was at our kids' camp. And Mike Muzerow was praying for kids to be filled. And God began to move. And one was laying on the floor, got filled with the Spirit. And service was over. And he, he just kept speaking. And his, I don't remember if it was mother or his dad. They came down to scoop him up just to take him out. And they hadn't been filled yet. And the moment they scooped him up, the power of God came all over them. 
And they begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the other. Listen, I want to tell you tonight, thank God for Pentecost. Thank God for Pentecost. Thank God I'm a Pentecostal. I'm not ashamed to lift my voice. I'm not ashamed to lift my hands. I'm not ashamed to dance in the Holy Spirit. I'm not ashamed to speak in tongues. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care what any other church has to say. I thank God that on the day of Pentecost, he poured out his spirit. And let me tell you, it's been poured out now for 2,000 years. And it's just as real today as it was 2,000 years ago. It is the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone that legitimizes the church. There is no church without the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now understand this, the moving and the operation of the Holy Spirit in a service and in a church is God's seal of approval upon that church. God help us. Do you realize now, when you take all of the Pentecostal denominations, all of them in America and put them together, that less than 50% of their membership speaks in tongues? That means, in reality, there are no Pentecostal denominations left. One of the things I learned in Bible school, Southwestern Assemblies of God Bible College. One of the things I learned that every move of God, every revival, there are denominations and works that are raised up in the fire. God brings a people together. But here's the, the heartbreaking statistic. Within 75 years, they apostatize. And become the very thing that they were formed to oppose. And now, I'm in an Assembly of God church, but I'm just going to say it right now. You've got Assembly of God ministers that are doing their best to have tongues removed from the doctrinal statement of the Assemblies of God. That tongues is the initial physical evidence of the Holy Spirit. There's only one evidence given in the book of Acts. That one has been filled with the Holy Spirit, and that is speaking in other tongues. Love is not an evidence, though it can bring love. Love like you've never felt before, and love that you give like you've never given before. It's not faith. It's not all these other things that they try to come. The evidence that one has been filled is speaking in other tongues. I read it to you. I quoted a moment ago. With stammering lips, Isaiah prophesied 2,500, excuse me, 500 years before. With stammering lips and other tongues will I speak unto my people. And then he said, for this is the rest. And this is the refreshing, meaning that this world that we're living in, that this journey that we call the Christian life, it's not always easy. There's mountains you got to climb. There's valleys you got to go through. There's giants that you have to face. And we become burdened down with the cares of life. When we become burdened down with all of this spiritual warfare going on around us. But he said, when we pray in the spirit, it brings a rest. And it brings a refreshing. Oh, hallelujah. And you know what that word refreshing really means? The closest in the English that we can come to it from the Hebrew is to re-energize. Remember that, you see, remember that commercial, the Energizer Bunny? Keeps going. And it keeps going. Let me tell you, there is a re-energy. That comes from the third member of the triune Godhead. That when you don't think you can make it and you're beaten down and you're worn down, all of a sudden when you begin to pray in the Spirit, it's like somebody plugs you in and you get a recharge. Oh, hallelujah. And so we need the Spirit of God. We should be on our face daily crying, God, move in the service. Move. Let your Spirit flow. Let your living water. Let me tell you, the prayer of this church should be, Lord, we want the Spirit of God to be so strong that people driving by will stop 
pull in and have to walk in as the Spirit of God pulls them in. We want the Spirit of God to move so strong that when they walk in the door, the sick will be healed. They'll walk in the door and nobody will have to lay hands on them, but they'll get filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That's what we want. We must have, if we don't have the Spirit of God, we will die. Yes, we will. That's it. We will wither and die and become nothing but a religious organization. And there's nothing more damnable and demonic than religion. Religion is more damnable than heroin. It's more damnable than methamphetamine. It's more damnable than homosexuality because we know what they are. But religion says you're saved by doing this or that. Religion says if you get dunked here, if you're born into this church, if you're sprinkled here. No, that's not salvation. Salvation is not an experience or relationship with a church. It's an experience with a man. That's why Christianity is not a religion, but it is a relationship with the man, Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Oh, hallelujah. The book of Acts is a book of doctrine. We hear today, I've, I've, in the last 20 years, I've never heard it more than mine. We don't need doctrine. Yes, we do. You've got to have doctrine. All doctrine means is the teachings of the Bible put in systematic form that we know and understand the theme of the Bible. That's what doctrine is. You couldn't get saved. Until someone proclaimed the doctrine of salvation. How many of you have been healed in your body? You couldn't get healed until somebody preached the doctrine of healing. When you got filled, you got filled because somebody took the time to proclaim the doctrine of the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Some of you, you have the gift of of the Spirit working in your life, one of the nine gifts. You have it because somebody took the time to teach on it and preach on it and encourage you to seek after it. Hello, hello. So we need doctrine. The largest Southern Baptist church in Atlanta, Georgia, the pastor last year said, I quote, this is the direct quote, we need to unhitch our wagon from the Old Testament. Meaning we need to do away with it. That's the dumbest statement in the world. Because the old covenant is the new covenant hidden. And the new covenant is the old covenant revealed. Meaning that everything in the law, everything in the old covenant in type and in shadow pointed to what is a reality in the new covenant today. Everything in the temple pointed to Jesus Christ and him crucified. Oh, hallelujah. All the feasts pointed to Jesus Christ and him crucified. All of the, well, I don't want to get into all of that. Just read it. It's good stuff. But the book of Acts is a book of doctrine carried out in the actions the ways and the means in the church by the principal players, the Holy Spirit, the apostles, Barnabas, Saul, as God would use them to carry out his work. Here's what you need to never forget. God works through human beings. Amen. Amen. That's right. He has given us the privilege To be involved in his work in the kingdom. God did not save you. He did not send his son to die on the cross and suffer the indignity of the crucifixion and shed his blood for you to get saved. Plop your rear end down on a pew whenever you want to come to church. Suck God's air and throw a couple of dollars in the offering plate. But every one of you have been saved for the express purpose to be salt 
and light. Oh, hallelujah. To be a city on a hill that cannot be hid. I know I got an email the other day. This lady said, oh, Brother Donnie, please pray for me. Uh, pray that I'll get another job. I'm the only Christian in my job, and they persecute me. I wrote her back. I said, ma'am, have you ever thought that you're the only the reason why you're there is because God has placed you there to be the only light? As the old saying goes, the only Bible many will read is the Bible they read in me and the only Jesus they'll see is the Jesus they see in me. You're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. I mean, you're somebody in the kingdom of God. You're not just a nobody, but you're somebody in the kingdom. Over 50 times the title or name, Holy Spirit, Spirit or Spirit of God is found in the book of Acts. So the Holy Spirit is the principal player in this particular book. I know that when you see the book of Acts, it says the Acts of the Apostles, but that's wrong. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the lives of the Apostles. Oh, hallelujah. It is the Holy Spirit carrying out the design, the plan, and the will of God. When Jesus was on this earth during his three and a half years public ministry, everything he did was as a human being, a man, flesh and blood, just like you and me, full of the Holy Spirit. Luke 4 begins, and Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit was led by the Spirit. And then a few verses later, it said, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. There's a, there's a formula here. There is a process here. We got to be full before we can be led. Hello? We need to be led by the Spirit. Only the Spirit knows which way to go. There, there are many paths that are laid out before us. And a lot of them look good. But there's only one that God has laid out. And God's path doesn't always look like the greenest or the prettiest. But everything you need, you can find it in that path. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, do you understand what I'm saying here tonight? I mean, you, the pastor said it. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Hallelujah. It means that he has got a particular path picked out for every single one of us. Oh, hallelujah. He took enough time before you were ever formed in the womb of your mother. He said, I knew you. I loved you. And he has planned a particular path for you to walk. And he has a particular design and will upon your life. And understand something. Nobody can take your place in the kingdom. Nobody. Well, I'm not a preacher, so what? I'm not a singer. Well, have you ever heard me sing? You know you can't sing when your dog gets up and leaves the room. I had a bulldog, an English bulldog, for 10 years. His name was Boudreaux. I got him out of Arkansas when he was two months. As soon as I crossed the state line in Louisiana, I rebaptized him <laughs> to get that Arkansas out of him. I kid you not. He would, he would uh, at the mornings when I would take him out and come back in, I would go, I have a room I'd go to pray in. And I lay down when I prayed. I was laying on the floor. And all of a sudden, I felt something breathing on me. And I opened my eyes, and there was Boudreaux just about that far from me, laying flat, just staring at me. I looked up. I said, Boudreaux, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I said, Boudreaux, I'm going to lead you in a sinner's prayer. I want you to, I'm going to pray it. I want you to bark. I got through. He barked. He got saved. But I found out you can't baptize an 80-pound bulldog. He ain't going under the water. <laughs> He's stronger than you are. And, and, and I explained to him, we're not Calvinists. We're Armenians. We don't believe in once saved, always saved. We believe in the power of God. He's just sitting there looking at me. 
And I'd come in every morning. He'd come in and lay down beside me when I prayed. And he'd get closer and closer and closer. Let me tell you, even animals can sense the presence of God. They can sense. And let me tell you, little children can sense the anointing. And they can sense the presence of God in other people. Little kids, because their hearts have not yet been tainted by the world. Hello. And, (laughs) but I'd get to singing sometimes, and he'd just get up, walk out, go back into his room, climb on his bed, and lay there until I shut up. (laughs) And it's really bad. One day, when the kids were little... It was Matthew. Now, Matthew is our youngest son. Matthew might be, he might be an alien from another planet. <laughs> he is just out there. First of all, he's a genius. I mean, and I'm not just saying that he is a certified, literal, tested out genius. Both sides of his brain operate at the same time. That's very rare. Every piston in his brain is firing at all times. And, you know, I read something the other day. I always figured his handwriting was horrible. And I read something the other day. They said, the smarter you are, normally the worse your handwriting is. And you know why? It's because your mind is working so fast, your hand can't keep up. Even though you're just writing your name, you've got so much thoughts going through your mind. That's the way my dad is. He is a mathematical genius. He can be 85. He can be walking by. Somebody's trying to figure out. He'll say, the answer is, boom, just keep on walking. Just, he's just like a human computer. And, and, and I was getting dressed for church on a Sunday morning. Had the door closed. So I thought I had some privacy. And I was watching the telecast. I don't know who was singing. I started singing out loud. And I heard steps running down the hallway that all of a sudden the door slammed open. And Matthew is five years old. He came running in. He said, would you shut up? I went, excuse me? He said, would you shut up? Your singing is child abuse. (laughs) I'm serious. What do you say to a five-year-old that comes up with that? And the only thing I could come back was, you little snot. I brought you into this world. I can take you out of this world. And he looked at me and said, but you still can't sing, so shut up. And you know it's really bad when, you, when I've actually had Daddy on the platform <laughs> lean over and go, Daddy, what? Bring it down, son. <laughs> just, just bring it down. You're, you're not doing my ears any good. <laughs> oh, my, my dad cannot stand somebody singing off key yeah. <laughs> or a musical instrument being out of tune. It's like scraping a blackboard. I mean, he's actually walked to people and say, please, don't do that. I remember one time in a restaurant. We was in a restaurant. We didn't know. We was on the road. We was in Oregon, Holder Crusade. We went in this restaurant to eat, and we saw these instruments on stage. We didn't know it was a supper club. We had no idea. It wasn't a nightclub. But this band came out and playing, you know, just dinner music, and they were terrible. And Daddy kept going, Wrong chord. Wrong chord. Mm. That guy is flat. Mm. And finally, and, and I'm like, and I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I was praying, oh God, let us get our food and eat and get out of here. Oh God, please, please, please. And they, wouldn't you know it, the kitchen was slow. And right before they brought the food, the guy said, we're going to take a five-minute break. And Dad stood up and said, I'll give you $100 if you don't come back. <laughs> but, it's the, but when he was on this earth, so you thought I thought, lost my train of thought, didn't you? But when he was on this earth, every word spoken was as a man full of the Holy Spirit. Every miracle he performed was as a man full of the Holy Spirit. Every place he went 
was as a man led by the Spirit. So if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as man, as the representative man, as the second man, as Paul would write, as the second Adam, as the Apostle Paul would say, if he had to have the help of the Holy Spirit, how much more do we who are poor, pitiful human beings, have to have the help of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, I need the help of the Holy Spirit just to make it out the front door. Every Listen, we, we, when we get up every morning, we don't know what devils are out there. We don't know what demons are coming our way. But the Holy Spirit does, and He has a path designed to lead us through every attack of the evil one. He's the head of the church. In Acts 13, 2, to show you what, exactly what I'm talking about, it said, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit speaks. He speaks to the heart. He speaks to the Spirit. He speaks through the Word of God. He speaks through music. He speaks through the preaching of the Word, as long as it's anointed. He speaks through the gifts. And it said, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work wherein I have called them. In other words, the Holy Spirit has everything laid out. Therefore, it's our job to find out what the Spirit wants, not what we want but what the Spirit wants. And then if we can find out what the Spirit wants and get right with the Spirit and let the Spirit lead, everything's going to work out. There's going to be some rough days, but everything will work out in the end. Oh, I got to hurry. Number one, it said, it shall come to pass and I will pour out of my Spirit. I want you to look at two things. The words, it shall and I will. They are not suggestions. But they are emphatic commands. And what the Lord is saying, listen, the powers of darkness are going to do everything they can to stop the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But I'm here to serve notice on every spirit of darkness. I'm here to serve notice on every demon. And I'm here to serve notice on Lucifer himself that I shall. Pour out of my spirit, and I will. Nothing can stop me. It shall, and I will. It shall, and I will. You better get that. It shall, and I It's already been predetermined in the high council of heaven of what God was going to do on the day of Pentecost. And there wasn't Lucifer or any demon power that could stop what he was going to do. It shall come to pass, and I will pour out of my spirit. Emphatic commands. The Holy Spirit is God, and what he says, he means, and he means what he says. Nothing can succeed unless the spirit moves. Now, you got to understand, Satan did everything he could. To stop Calvary from happening. Because Satan knew that after the resurrection, the Spirit of God was going to be. You see, the, the Holy Spirit was in the Old Covenant, but in a different way. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit could not reside in the heart of a single person. He could anoint them to carry out a specific task. At a specific time. But when it was through, the Spirit left. Why? Because the debt of sin had not yet been paid. But before Calvary, Jesus prophesied and told his disciples, speaking of the Holy Spirit, said, when he comes, he shall not only be with you, but he shall be in you. Oh, hallelujah. So you better be careful where you take the Holy Spirit. Hello. You better be careful where you take the Holy Spirit. It shall come to pass, I will pour out of my spirit. This promise has been fulfilled. And it's still being poured out. 
Let me tell you, we, don't, we, we have such a westernized view of the gospel. But do you realize that the United States of America is not even the biggest Pentecostal country in the world? But the country of Brazil has more Pentecostals than the United States, Canada, England, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa combined. They have churches of 20 and 30,000. They have churches that can seat 50,000 people. I mean, the spirit, and let me tell you, when they start shouting, you might as well sit down because you're going to be there a while. Matter of fact, I was preaching in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and it was the strangest church design I'd ever preached in. It had three balconies, and the podium for the pastor was at, on the second level. So you were looking down at the first balcony and the bottom floor, and then the third balcony was up here. And it was straight, jam-packed, would hold nearly 4,000 people. And I was preaching on the Holy Spirit that night. And as God is my witness, the Spirit of God began to move, and I felt the wind of the Holy Spirit blow. I felt that mighty rushing wind. And my translator, who, whose father was the superintendent of the Assemblies of God in Brazil, he looked at me and he said, did you feel that? I said, I felt it. I felt it. And I mean, I looked up and the service was over. They were shouting because they felt it too. They were praising. They were running. I just tried to say, what do I do? He said, you don't do anything. Just let them go. Just let them go. And a few minutes later, one of the sisters, in, in, every, in all of those churches, they have big kitchens, and, and it's the custom. They have a custom that after the service, all the ministers come together, and they have fellowship and a meal. Now, I don't eat past 6 o'clock because i got to keep my swelt figure. <laughs> and everybody knows you can't burn off calories if you're stuffing them after 10. Never mind. And this lady comes running up, and she says something to my interpreter, my translator. He leaned over and said, this lady is one of the most godly consecrated ladies, and she's a prophetess, and she has a word. I said, what's well, your church? And she, he gave her the microphone, and he began to translate. She said, we were down in the kitchen. We cannot hear. There's no sound system. We don't know what is being preached up here. But all of a sudden, and it was at the exact point when she pinpointed the time that I felt the mighty rushing wind, and everybody else did too. She said we were cooking. And all of a sudden, we felt the wind of the Spirit sweep through that kitchen. And she said, if you go down, they're laying all over the floor. Slain in the Spirit. Then she turned to the preachers. Y'all won't be eating tonight. Yeah. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. It shout. Listen, Satan cannot stop. Satan cannot stop what God has said he was going to do, and he's still doing it today. Oh, hallelujah. He said, in the last days, the last days begin on the day of Pentecost. So we've been in the last days for 2,000 years, and actually right now, we are in the last of the last days. All this junk going on in the world is to get us ready for the soon and imminent return, the rapture of the church. I don't know what you're listening for, but I'm listening for the trump of God, for the trump of God is going to sound, and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, and that word clouds doesn't mean the cumuli. It means so many people going up that it looks like clouds. Oh, hallelujah. In Joel chapter 2, verse 23, it states that he has given us the former rain moderately. Then he spoke of the latter rain. 
The former reign was what took place on the day of Pentecost. Now it's great and Pentecost. Oh, let me tell you, let me let me help you with this. Pentecost means fiftieth. The feast of Pentecost took place. It was the second of the seven feasts. It took place fifty days after the feast of Passover. Where was the first Passover observed? Egypt. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. That was the first Passover. The first Pentecost was 50 days later in the wilderness. Moses had gone up to the top of the mountain to seek the Lord. When he was delayed because he was communing, and if you're on a mountaintop communing with the Lord, you're not wanting to go down the mountain. You're going to want to stay. Hello? And, but when he, the people became concerned, and they began to rebel, and they began to say, we're going to die in this wilderness. And they took all the gold that they had taken from the Egyptians because God paid them back for all of their years of servitude. God will not owe anything to any man. So whatever Satan has taken from you, God will give it back to you. And they made the golden calves. And when Moses came down, the Spirit of the Lord was so angry that on the first day of Pentecost, the first Pentecost, 3,000 men of Israel were killed. The judgment of God. But notice this. Most people don't notice this. On the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, when the Spirit was poured out, 3,000 men were saved. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to draw the sinner. Oh, hallelujah. He said, he's given us the former rain. That was the former rain was the day of Pentecost. The latter rain happened in 1901 in Topeka, Kansas. When the Spirit of God was poured out afresh and anew. And history records that Agnes Osmond was the first person of the 20th century that we know of. That was filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in that little Bible school in Topeka, Kansas. Run by Charles Parham. Jump ahead years. We were in Long Beach, California in a crusade. After the service, Sunday afternoon, we always, Dad always preached on the Holy Spirit on Sunday afternoons and prayed for people to be filled. There was a lady waiting backstage, and she said, Brother Swaggart, you mentioned in your sermon today, Agnes Osmond. He goes, yes, I did. She was my grandmother. Oh, hallelujah. Are you here tonight? I mean, that's royalty. That's Pentecostal royalty right there. And she said, we've never lost that Pentecostal fervor. We're just as much as Pentecostal today as my grandmother who went through to the mighty infilling of the Spirit on December the 31st, 1901 at 5 minutes to 12 o'clock. She ushered in the coming of a new year, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Hallelujah. That's the latter rain. And he said, he's given us the former rain moderately. But this latter rain, oh, there's no end to it. It's not a sprinkle, but it's a pouring out. He said, I will pour out. That it literally means to gush out. And in the Greek, the idea is one standing before a dam, holding back the water. And all of a sudden, the dam breaks. The water doesn't trickle out. It gushes out. Oh, hallelujah. And it knocks everything down in front of it. When the Spirit of God moves, it will push back the forces of darkness. It will knock down the strongholds of Satan. And it will knock every bit of the devil out of you. Hallelujah. Pour out of my spirit. It comes from the Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit is, comes through Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The purpose of the cross was twofold, not only for the atonement of man's sin, 
but also to make man pure to receive the mighty infilling of the Holy Spirit. You are, that's the reason why in the old covenant there was a physical tabernacle made by the hand of man. But in the new covenant, there is no physical tabernacle. We are the tabernacle of God. We are the house of God. Oh, so, I don't know about you, but that turns me on. I'm the house of God. I'm the house of God. I'm the tabernacle of the most high God. Oh, hallelujah. The creator of the heaven and earth said, you're my tabernacle. You're my house on this earth. That's you. I think some of y'all are Baptist. (laughs) Upon all flesh. Did I just say that? said, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. That tells us that what the Lord has to do in these last days is for all people in all places. Does it matter the color of your skin? Does it matter what language you speak? What he's doing in these last days is for all people, all flesh. And then it said, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That means there is no age discrimination. He wants to use the youngest and the oldest. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men, thank you, Jesus, (laughs) shall dream dreams. And upon your servants and handmaids, and that's an interesting statement, servants and handmaids. Servants in the Greek is doulos, and it literally means a slave. Handmaiden in the Greek is doule, and it literally means a female slave. And that tells us that there is no racism or prejudice or discrimination on one's lot in life to be used by God. That means from the richest of the rich to the poorest of the poor. He don't care. He's just looking for a heart that will yield to him. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. No favoritism. No bias. Doesn't matter. He's just looking for somebody that says, here I am. Lord, use me. So if you forget everything I've said tonight, remember this, church, read the book of Acts and get ready for the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit that the world has ever seen.